Hi, I'm retired NYPD Detective Vic Ferrari, and welcome to NYPD Through the Looking Glass, where you'll get unique insight into the New York City Police Department. Before we get started, I encourage you to check out my Amazon author page. It's Tuesday, December 19th. We're only six days away from Christmas, and if you order one of my NYPD books, they'll be there in time for Christmas, including NYPD Laughing in the Line of Duty, which is filled with funny stories from my NYPD career. On last week's episode, I did two episodes last week, but on one of the episodes we talked about how not to get taken buying, purchasing a used car, and I left out something really important, so if you haven't heard the episode yet, just check out last week's episode about purchasing a used car and how to protect your car from car thieves. So if you Carfax a vehicle and it comes up a rent-a-car and you go, oh, great, it's a rent-a-car, rent-a-cars you know, they're not going to go over twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 miles usually. And, you know, they want to replace their fleet. So they auction off their cars or they sell their cars. And I'm going to get a good deal on a rent-a-car. Well, that's, that's probably true. But here's the thing that Carfax doesn't tell you. Most, all, all rent-a-car companies are self-insured, meaning they don't have Geico or Progressive. They take care of everything themselves. So you could purchase a vehicle that was involved in an accident but it's not going to show up on the Carfax report because guess what? The rent-a-car company has their own body shop. They fixed it themselves, or if it was in a flood, they cleaned out the interior. So if you're purchasing a car that comes from a rent-a-car company, just don't assume that the car is clean because the Carfax doesn't list anything on there. It's not a red flag, but you should really, if it's a rent-a-car, look into it a little bit deeper. So on today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about what it's like for a member of the New York City Police Department working the holidays. And as you can see, I'm wearing my um, standard issue, well, standard issue, I paid for it, my NYPD turtleneck, which um, I wore countless times when I was on patrol. And also, I, this thing kept me warm working Times Square on New Year's Eve, which I think I worked 17 out of my 20 years with the NYPD. I got stuck working that detail. So maybe next week I'll do an episode of what it's like to work down at Times Square on New Year's Eve and the different experiences I had down there. Some good and some not so good. Well, anyway, working the holidays for NYPD cops, like everyone else, it's a stressful time. And depending on what precinct you work in, most places crime goes up. So you have what's called in the NYPD holding ones. And holding ones are... When a shoplifter gets caught in a retail store, the dispatcher will say, she doesn't say it's a shoplifting situation. They'll say, Macy's holding one. Um, loss, you know, please respond to loss prevention security. And sometimes, you know, the security guard grabs someone, they bring them back to their office, and then the cops show up. And they take photos of whatever they stole, and you take an affidavit from the security guard, and you move on from there. And those, those arrests pop up quite a bit around the holidays. Another thing that pops up around the holidays is auto break-ins. And people go Christmas shopping, and they're going into, say you're going into like a big shopping plaza. You go into one store, you come out with a bunch of bags, you throw it in your trunk, you throw it in your back seat, you lock it up. You go across the street and you go to the next door. Well, unfortunately, thieves know this and they're watching and they lay and wait in the parking lot and they walk around and they follow people 
and then they'll see you drop stuff off in your car, and then once you know that they they know you're in another store, they know they've got a couple of minutes to jimmy your lock or pop your trunk and help themselves to whatever you purchase. So shoplifting arrests go up, or and unfortunately, the holidays sometimes brings out the worst in people. And people, you know, like I like I've preached many times, people sometimes overindulge. DUIs go up. Domestic violence goes up because people are drinking in the house. They're coming home from parties. Money is tight. People are on edge. They didn't get the kid that toy they wanted. People fight. And unfortunately, we get called to a lot of disputes where one person bashed the other person in the head. So that's going to bring us to today's topic, which is called the NYPD's Holiday Integrity Program. And it's a real thing, believe it or not. Usually, um, I think it's just before Thanksgiving, a week or two before Thanksgiving, a teletype will come out. The, the NYPD has what's called the finest system. It's a, it's a teletype system. Nowadays, I'm sure it's done in email, but in the good old bad days, it was a teletype. And every precinct to command had this, and it would say something like, uh, November 14th starts the Holiday Integrity Program, and would go down a list of things, the do's and things you can and cannot do. And the NYPD has layers of protection against corruption. And there's a lot of units to make sure that cops aren't playing out of bounds. So let's start with the precinct. In the precinct, you have what's called an integrity control officer. And that's usually a, a lieutenant. And their job is to monitor police corruption at the precinct level. And what they do is... It's it's picky and stuff. It's not major corruption, but what they'll do is they'll go they'll go around to businesses and restaurants in the precinct wearing their uniform, hoping that someone will give them a discount. And if they get a discount, they warn them you're not allowed to do that. And then they'll put them on this list where you're not allowed to frequent. It's called a corruption prone location. Corruption prone locations. I mean, it can be a restaurant that's owned by a mobster, and they don't want you going in there. But sometimes it's just a coffee shop where the guy is giving cops coffee for 50 cents and everyone else is getting a buck. So they'll list that as corruption-prone because you're getting a free cup of coffee or 50 cents off. But anyway, that's what an ICO does. He he monitors at the precinct level, and he gives out what's called rips or command disciplines if guys are stepping out of bounds inside the precinct. And every borough in the NYPD has a borough inspections unit. And they're in plain clothes. It's usually a sergeant, a lieutenant. I guess it could be a captain. And they do the same thing. They watch to see if cops aren't shaved or their mustache is too long or they're shopping on duty. They're out there at all time. But around the holidays with this integrity holiday integrity program, these people are all over the place. And just like including the fun-loving guys, men and women of the Internal Affairs Division. They're out all over the place. And what they do is they watch to see if cops are shopping on duty. Do cops do Christmas shopping on duty? Yeah, of course they do Christmas shopping on duty, but it's not like they're driving the R&P or radio car to like an outlet mall and they're parking the police car and they're going into different stores. But if a cop... A cop stops to get his lunch, and next door there's a jewelry store. Will he walk in and get a piece of jewelry for his wife? Yes, it goes on, but they're paying for things, but they don't want you shopping on duty. So what IEB will do is, during this holiday integrity program, they'll pull cops over. They'll, you know, you're at a light. 
Guy will pull up to you, show a lieutenant shield or, or a captain shield. I'm captain so-and-so, borough inspections or internal affairs. Do me a favor. Pull into that parking lot. And then what they'll do is they'll look in the back seat of your car to see if you have any packages. They'll ask to open up the trunk of the radio car to see if you have anything in there. The more discreet ones, what they'll do is they'll wait till the end of a tour. And as the police cars are pulling in, you know, to, for a turnover, the switch changing of the tours, they'll ask to see go into cops, the trunks of their cars. The smarter ones would go into the precinct parking lot and drop stuff up before, but I've seen guys get grabbed with, with things that they purchased on duty. So today I'm going to tell a story from the Holiday Integrity Program, and this happened early 90s, probably 1990, 1991. So I'm going to set the stage for you. It's the 50th or the 5-0 precinct in the Riverdale section of the Bronx. It was a sleepy precinct. The biggest thing we really had there were GLAs, stolen cars, and, and uh, residential burglaries on the day shift because everybody goes to work and there were a lot of apartment buildings in this precinct. So we used to have a lot of burglaries. But it was a sleepy precinct. I mean, we weren't answering 30, 30 calls a night. On a busy night, you might answer 15 or 20, but it wasn't like you were racing around in the 4-4 or the 4-6. Well, in the precinct, inside an NYPD precinct, we have civilian employees, and their titles are called PAAs, or Police Administrative Aides. And you'll, when you walk into an NYPD precinct, if you see someone that's not in a police uniform typing reports or answering the phone at the telephone switchboard, it's a PAA. But they have other functions, too. They'll t handle payroll. They'll handle the roll call, clerical. Every NYPD precinct, depending on size, has 5 to 15 or 20 of these people working inside. And for the most part, there's a great working relationship between the uniform members of, of, of the NYPD and PAAs. And in the 50th precinct, we had what was called, uh, well, every precinct has what's called an SPAA or a supervisor PAA. They're in charge of the other ones. And there was this older black female named Janie who I, I adored. And she could be ornery sometimes, but she loved cops, and she, you could always count on her to do the right thing. And it was so funny because when you walked into the precinct, she, even though she was a supervisor, she would, always, she, would, she would always be in the 124 room, and that's where reports are prepared. So in the old days, I would fill out, say I was running around, and I filled out a couple of stolen car reports, a couple of burglary reports. Periodically, you would stop inside the station house, and drop them off, and the PAAs would type them up and assign them a number, and et cetera, and et cetera. So this woman, Janie, even though she was a supervisor, she loved to type, and she would bang those things out in seconds. Well, she, 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 she would hang up on people, so sometimes people would call the precinct with nonsense, and you'd hear her, and she'd like, leave my cops alone with this nonsense, click, and she'd hang up. She's like, I can't believe people call this police for the stupidest things. And like I said, she, she was a trip. So one day, it's around the holidays, and um, I see her and a younger PAA, this younger woman. So Janie was probably in her 60s, and this younger female PAA that used to follow her around was probably in her mid-20s. You would have thought they were mother and daughter. That's how close they were. And I saw them kind of hanging around the front door of the precinct, and it was about, I don't know, 5, 6 o'clock in the evening, and um, she made eye contact with me, and she, she kind of waved me over. And I go, I used to call her Annie Jane. And I says, what's up, Annie Jane? She goes, Ferrari, I need you. I need to get something. She goes, I need you to give me a ride. Now, you're not supposed to be giving PAAs a ride around the precinct, but whatever. I said, sure, Annie Jane. I says, what do you got to do? And she goes, she looked at me, 
And I could tell she was going to say something, and then she stopped herself. She goes, I got to see a man about a horse. I said, you got to see a man about a horse. She goes, yeah. I said, okay. Come on, Annie Jane. So her and the other PA follow me out into the parking lot. They get into the radio call with me and my partner. My partner's just kind of looking at me like, what is this? And I, I just kind of give him, don't, don't, don't worry about it. So we drive down Broadway. We get to about 231st Street. And uh, just before 231st Street and Broadway, she goes, stop here, stop here. Don't turn the corner. I said, okay. So she's starting to get out of the car, and the other PA is going to follow her. And she goes, you, you sit here, child. And she goes, Janie, where are you going? And she goes, what did I say? I got to see a man about a horse. <laughs> so she walks out. And the three of us are in the car, and like we're trying to figure out what she's up to. And my partner goes, what is this? And he turns to the, uh, to the PA in the back seat. She goes, I don't know. She, she won't tell me. So I said, she probably is doing something or picking up something she shouldn't, and she just doesn't want to involve us in it. But the reality is we are involved in it because if some a shoe fly, which is we call it a shoe fly, like you flick them off, the duty captain, the ICO, like I said, inspections, IB, sees two cops and a civilian just sitting on, a, sitting on Broadway and a female's getting out of the car and going into a store, we're screwed. And then I thought about it and I go, you know what? There's a bunch of stores up 231st Street. It was a major shopping center. I go, I bet you she's going into that liquor store. That's why she had me stop before we could see where she was going. About 10 minutes later, she comes by and she's got a bag, which looks like it would have a bottle in it, right? She gets back into the car. She goes, thank you, Ferrari. Can you bring me back to the precinct now? I said, sure, Annie Jane. So I said, um, everything all right? She goes, I told you I had to see a man about a horse. So we're laughing, and I said, Annie, Jean, Annie Jane, did the horse win? She goes, sure did, by two-fifths. <laughs> so, like I said, she was a pip. We could have gotten in trouble for it. But you know what? At the end of the day, no harm, no foul. No, no one got hurt. And that's just kind of the way things were back in the early 90s. Another thing that I just thought of brings me back to my NYPD career. So around this time, every precinct or specialized unit would have a Christmas party. And you would think, oh, great. Now, usually the precinct club paid for it. So if you worked in a precinct or a unit, you were expected to kick in. And I don't remember what it was, 20 year, 30 year, 50 year. I, I don't remember. But everybody kicked in. And the precinct club also made money off the vending machines and selling T-shirts and, and running all sorts of things. And they would raise money. And then a couple of times a year, they would throw a party or an outing. So every Christmas time, most precincts of specialized units, especially if morale is okay, they throw a party. And you had to be careful with those things because everybody went to these precinct parties. And depending on the precinct, depended on the venue. So I've worked in places where it's at the local dive bar down the block where it's tap, flat tap beer. It's like headache in a cup. They'll have a six-foot hero and some German potato salad and that's about it. And then I've been I've worked in other places where you got to kick in an extra hundred bucks or so and they expect you to be there in a suit and tie or a tuxedo. So it just depended on where you work. But like I said, you had to be careful at these things because all the supervisors were there. So, you know, your, your commanding officer was there. Um, the executive officer, the second banana, your ICO supervisors were there. So it wasn't like you could just get liquored up and carry on like a jackass. But 
unfortunately, some guys and girls did. And, you know, that can impact your career. So, you know, you're getting good evaluations. Everything's fine. You're staying out of trouble. And then you get you have too much to drink and you insult the commanding officer's wife by talking about something off topic or someone falls headfirst into something. And then the next thing you know, the commanding officer is like, I got a jackass here on my hands. And now you'll never advance or you could even find yourself transferred to another precinct. So you had to watch those things going to the precinct Christmas parties. But for the most part, as long as you didn't overindulge, things were fine and everybody had a good time. So those are my Christmas stories on on this week. Hopefully, if I have enough time, I'll put together uh, another podcast by um, on Thursday. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in, especially my listeners in Poughkeepsie, New York, Steamboat Springs, Colorado, which that sounds like a nice place, doesn't it? Guilford, Connecticut, and Frank Sinatra's birthplace, Hoboken, New Jersey. I've got a funny story about Guilford, Connecticut. So when I was in my 20s and 30s. My friends and I used to like to go out and gamble once in a while. And Atlantic City, it just takes from the Bronx, Atlantic City took forever to get there. Because that Garden State Parkway, they kind of narrow at the end, and there was always traffic. You couldn't get down there, even speeding, in under three hours. But in the early 90s, they opened up Foxwoods. So we used to drive up there, and I always remember passing a sign for Guilford, Connecticut. Well, during that case I shared about the A6 case with the Audis being shipped to China, on one of the wiretaps that we were listening on, the main thief, Mario, he delivered a stolen Porsche to Guilford, Connecticut. And I, at the time, I remembered the exit, and I remember we were listening to this international auto theft ring. I remember writing that down. Guilford, Connecticut, stolen Porsche, blah, 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 blah. So six months or a year later, when we take down the case, Mario flips because he's in up to his neck. He's the getaway driver on all these multiple homicides. He doesn't want to go to jail for the rest of his life. So he starts spilling his guts. And I said, um, hey, Mario, you know, I'm looking at the transcripts because everything's been transcribed. And I'm looking at I had notes. And I said, hey, Mario, what's the story with this Porsche up in Guilford, Connecticut? And you ever ask somebody a question and you know damn well they know what you're talking about? But, and he goes, no. But I could tell he was lying. I said, you know, Mario, I said, where did that car go? I don't remember. First he said he didn't remember what I was talking about. Then I, I just don't remember. And I couldn't get it out of him. So somewhere, <laughs> this is 16, no longer than that, 20 years later, somewhere in Guilford, Connecticut, a Porsche was, was, a stolen Porsche was delivered. And I could never figure out where it was because our subject, although he was cooperating with a million homicides, didn't want to tell me where this Porsche was going. So in all probability, it was a really good friend, although I can't imagine why, because Mario sung on Fausto, who was his best friend who killed a bunch of people. But again, there's a stolen Porsche some up, somewhere up there in Guilford, Connecticut. So if someone in the Connecticut State Police want to look into it, be my guest. If you work in law enforcement or have an interesting criminal background or would like to be a guest on the show, please drop me a note on Twitter or Instagram at VicFerrari50. You can also, if you want to see this, if you want to see the footage of this video, you can go to YouTube and just look up NYPD through the Looking Glass podcast. I'm on YouTube now, although I'm not getting as much traction on YouTube as I am you know, the regular standard author. If you enjoy the content, 
please check out my Amazon author page where you'll find my series of NYPD behind-the-scenes books, including, I'm going to show them, Grand Theft Auto, the NYPD's Auto Crime Division, NYPD Laughing in the Line of Duty. I got the rest of them in back of me. And check out this book, Confessions of a Catholic High School Graduate. It's got a lot of funny stories in there about my childhood and growing up in the Bronx. And actually, you know what? Maybe if I can get a hold of my dim-witted younger brother, Fredo, maybe I can get do, do an episode before Thursday if I could get him to talk about our childhood and some of the things that we got involved in. But anyway, if I don't have another episode by Thursday, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Take care.